Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of Stepping Out. Before I talk about today's guest, I wanted to just give you a little nudge to donate to Vaccinate with their Give It A Shot campaign. They aim to administer COVID-19 vaccinations to 2 billion people around the world. How lucky are we to have the vaccination on our doorstep where we simply book one in and we're done. But this isn't the case for everyone and we must help as fellow human beings to prevent more suffering and deaths from happening and to make the world a safer and healthier place for everyone. It's our responsibility as a developed country and you as a world citizen to share what we have. You don't need to donate much, just a few quid, but everything counts and the link is in the episode description to help you. Thank you. I hope you're all well and wherever you are, I also hope that the pandemic is allowing you some semblance of normality. We are in the process of being let out and about in the UK here, with pubs and restaurants now open inside, and tentatively we take those steps to a bit more freedom. As part of keeping you relaxed and ready for a walk, I hope you enjoyed the Meditation on the Move episode I recently published, and I plan to release some more of those over the summer. We have had so much rain in the UK in the last week or so, it is insane. But it hasn't stopped me going out for a walk, and I'm sure it hasn't stopped you either. Although I have to say I didn't see a soul about in the woods yesterday, which suited me actually because I was really up for some contemplation and it was really quite lovely with the smell of wild garlic and the remainder of bluebells because of the rain. My guest on Stepping Out for this episode is the lovely, versatile and influential Karen Lem. We shouldn't be having all this pressure to just be stick thin or to just look like this or to have these pumped up lips and these false boobs and false bums and everything. Karen is a Nordic walking coach, Pilates instructor, personal trainer and sports massage therapist. We talk about Nordic walking and her work with Walks, which is an holistic exercise organisation which provides many classes both in person and online. We also talk about Karen's upbringing in Yorkshire, the challenge of staying fit and healthy, her love of food, Italy, opera, ballet, and her wonderful Who Would You Walk With guest. So you'll have to wait until the end for that one. So find some shoes and some headphones, take a deep breath, and we'll step out into nature. Let's go. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Hey there. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Fine. How are you? Oh, good, thank you. So a lot of PT for you this morning then. What were you doing? Was it group or one-to-one session? A couple of one-to-ones this morning since we went online um, for after the pandemic and during the pandemic, of course. Mm. Um, so I do a six o'clock. So Ooh. my day usually starts around then. and um, on, But it's here, so I'm not travelling at the moment to people's houses. And it gets me up, gets me off. Two hours of exercise, you know, before half past seven, eight o'clock. It's good. Yeah, and it feels really nice when you manage to get up really early because the day stretches out and there's just oh, so definitely. much time, isn't there? It's lovely. Yeah, and I'm definitely a lark. Uh, my husband and son are then owls. Mm. They're night owls and I'm a lark. So I'm usually up and around and buzzing, you know, by sort of what, six, six o'clock, but they don't quite get up at that time <laughs> does that mean you fall asleep in a chair at about nine o'clock <laughs> well no because you know in the old well in the old days when I used to be training at the gym and doing nothing but personal training I'd often then be at the gym till 10 but you know you can't sustain that every day no. for years and years so I 
become a little more sensible as I've got older. Mm, yeah, you kind of have to listen to your body as well, don't you really? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. But do you go out in all weathers with your PT? Because we've had so much rain lately, haven't yeah. we? Um, at the moment, I've not been doing a lot of PTs uh, outside. It's but I do all my walking groups, obviously outside, and we usually have a all weathers policy unless it's dangerous. So when it's icy, we don't expect either the lead walk leaders or the clients to be driving in ice. And when it's really, really, really hammering down. Mm. We probably won't. Uh, but the thing really for us is lightning. I think that's the, mm. the only thing I'd really cancel for, for safety. Yeah. But other than that, we're pretty hardy. We're, you know, the outdoor team are pretty, you know, it's not wrong weather, is it? It's only wrong clothing. Exactly. I know. Sometimes the old lightning can take you by surprise as well, can't it? So, um, Well, it's... especially because some of us walk with poles, you know, because the poles make you work a lot harder upper body and lower you know increase mm. all the way that you work at and the poles if they caught you know a lightning which is and but you just can't you just can't risk it no and we're going to talk all about that but first of all mm. I want to talk about um you a bit because from your lovely accent I know that you're not from uh, this neck of the woods originally so tell no, me <laughs> well tell me where you're from and a bit about your upbringing because everyone I meet from that area that you're going to talk about tends to love the outdoors quite understandably and naturally so what was your childhood like and did it incorporate oh, lots of physical activity it did well uh, I was born in Rotherham um but then moved to between Barnsley and Wakefield when I was about six and uh, went to school in Wakefield. And, you know, I've got a strong, more of a strong Barnsley accent, I think. However, I have to say, when I'm down here, people go, oh, you're not from round here, are you? And then, <laughs> of course, when I go home, when I go back up to Barnsley, they go, that talks right posh now, that does. So I, I feel a bit of a mongrel, really, because um, I left home at 19. But anyway, that was home and um, massively into sport when I was young and dancing. So I did both, you know, all of those virtually all the time, you know, three, four hours a day, county hockey and, yeah, uh, you know, danced for years. So I think fitness and using your body's always been part of my life, really. Yeah. And what kind of dancing did you do when you were younger? Oh, the, the lot tap stage modern ballet um you know right from I think I started at three and a half when I was over in Rotherham and right up to leaving home which was 19 and then even did it at university you know found a dance class and I don't know we'll probably talk about it later but that came back into the fitness uh, world through dance um when I was about 45 so, um, right. yeah, it's always been part of my life. And even when I've not been teaching it or making a living out of it, I've always done it, you know, just part yeah. of it. It, and it's such a discipline, isn't it? I think when you do it from a young age, that that's what sticks with you. Um, yeah, you know, oh, you're taking uh, classes. absolutely. You just don't even question it. Whether There was a period, I think, in my uh, mid-teens, late teens, when other distractions come along, shall we say, that mm. I was going, oh, do I really want to go to ballet? Do I want to go to the pub with this new boy? I mean, you know, all that kind of thing. 
Yeah, I had that with piano actually. I think once you you do it as a child, and then all of a sudden something happens in your teens, well, and you think, "Oh, I don't want to do this at the moment." <laughs> so, and I did the same with piano. Um, and uh, my mum always said, "Bless, they're not with us anymore." But she always said, um, "You'll regret it." And of course, how right she was that I gave the piano yeah. up. Uh, but funny enough, come back to it during the pandemic. So there you go. Everything comes in. Purpose. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Is that you can always come back to stuff and pick it up. I mean, it's not quite as easy to remember stuff as you get a bit older. But it's <laughs> no. it's nice. I've thought recently, actually, about um, getting some kind of piano in my house, yeah. electric or otherwise. Because I think it would come back a bit. You know, you can remember it certain will, things honestly, and build from yeah. there. Trust me, it does. Um, I'll... I'll lend you some music if you get your piano. I, I got my piano when my mum passed away, which was 16 years ago now, but I got her piano. She was a pianist and a singer. And mm. um, it sat there really for, well, for the last 14 years. And it's just sort of coming back into its own, you know, since I've had a bit more time to play it. It's brilliant. Yeah, and that's what the pandemic's been really good for, hasn't it, to do stuff like that. And so it's gone from being a piece of furniture to actually yeah. being used, yeah. yeah. Not not that I want anybody else to listen, I have to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> not until you got to concert level. <laughs> I know, that's it, isn't it? And we're very critical of ourselves, aren't we, when we start? I mean, I, uh, as I keep talking about on here, um, play the ukulele, and I did oh, so yeah. much more of it in lockdown to the point where pretty much every day it was it was quite cathartic to play it you know much to yeah. the dismay of people in my house going oh there she goes again <laughs> but um but you you do want to get it to a certain point there's that I suppose that kind of ambition almost that you know you see other people play you start to watch videos yeah. you learn and you just want to go to that next level and nothing's ever quite good enough to play for anyone else well, except I have on occasion after I a few wines <laughs> set a band up then Cows. We yeah could call we should the two casas or something and yeah you on the ukulele <laughs> on the piano you never know yeah no that's not a bad idea actually i was thinking about putting something out there about you but why not have a piano in the background that's a really really good idea so let's talk about nordic walking then because that's how yeah. i first noticed you even though i'd met you before in the gym yeah. where i used to go um yeah. on social media you kind of were everywhere all of a sudden for nordic walking and Obviously, we're in the same area, so your name is known for walking. But before we go into that, I just wanted to ask you actually about your surname, Lem, because that originates in Scandinavia, doesn't it? So do you have any roots there? Has it got any influences on this? No, I think it's Norway. I think it might be. Yeah, Scandinavia. Is it Norwegian? Yeah, something like that. I must have all my uh, hobby. Um, Yes, we've been, you know, we've been misquoted as being a limb and a lamina and all kinds of things, but it's just L-E-M, mm-hmm. um, which is slightly unusual. Paul's dad, bless him again, no longer with us, he um, was contacted by some Dutch professor who was trying to trace all the limbs. And I don't think there are that many of us about. I have been... Um, you know, Googling it since I met Paul. And really, there's, I think there are some maybe Asian people who have that name, but we're, we're Northern European, more well, from yeah. Paul's side. And my maiden name was um, Coleman, which is Coleman without an E. 
So I've always had to say, and I'm Karen's. Oh, Karen. So my life has always been Karen, K-A-R-E-N, L-E-M for mother. Or yeah. Coleman like the mustard, you know. Without the with Oh, yeah, because Coleman is without an E as well, isn't it? The mustard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I've, all, I've always been used to having to spell my name out. But what about Karen then? So where, why did that come about? Well, Karen? My, my parents were, uh, my dad was from Cambridgeshire, or in fact, Rutland, um, and over that end. And my mum was from Leicestershire. And they moved to Yorkshire with my dad's job in the early 50s, I presume. And um, so their accent wasn't a northern accent at all. And they, I think when they, when they were having me, they looked me up in a book, what shall we call her? And they saw K-A-R-E-N and their accent said Karen. Oh. Uh, I don't think they were aware of Karen. Um, so they always called me Karen, of course. Once you start then going to school, especially in Barn, you know, in Wakefield, Barnsley area, I suddenly became a Karen or a Karen yeah. or a Kieran and so and my dad funnily enough knowing your name always called me Kaz uh for some reason C-A-Z but mm-hmm. um so I've been Kaz not professionally when I did my corporate business I didn't think Kaz well, it did sound quite right for you know managing the Marks and Spencer called Kaz so I changed <laughs> you know <laughs> mainly was Karen during corporate days but all my mates and family call me Kaz still Oh, right. Yeah, same here. Because Karen's got such awful connotations at the moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My exactly. kids call me well, that. <laughs> well, you know, the American Karens, that was all this sort of right-wing sort of, you know, get your gun yeah. out and shoot all the protesters. And then, um, uh, you know, you often hear it, yes, in, in, in not particularly good terms, do you? But also Kaz, you know, it used to be spray-painted over bus stops, Kaz loves Dave or something <laughs> like that, you know, so... I think I've got a middle name. Perhaps my middle name is Joy. Perhaps I should become a Joy. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, we all know you as Karen, though, that you can't change it now. That's the thing, you get stuck no, with it, exactly. don't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Karen in my later life. Yeah, definitely. In professional life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Karen, then. Right. So, explain Karen. to me all about yeah. Nordic walking. What is it? How's it done? I know people have seen people walking around with sticks and things. Can you just explain yeah. to us what it is? Yeah, well, um, I came across it sort of uh, about 10 years ago. I'd been a PT and teaching fitness classes and dance classes. And you know what it's like when you're in the fitness business, you're always keeping your ear to the ground for new things or things Mm. to add to your toolbox. And um, so I read about this Nordic walking, went on a course and thought, this is is amazing. This is fantastic uh, exercise that is I can't say much better than running because if you're a runner and you love running then you Mm. should run but I was finding that running was not you know not the best for my joints and Mm. things like that but working with the poles and using the proper technique it's not a stick you know in as much as not you're not just got one stick in one hand looking like an old biddy it actually makes you work harder but it doesn't feel as hard because it's much easier on the joints um and when you walk and run of course your upper body's not involved at all whereas using the poles I could feel you know a lot of um, more tone coming in my muscles in the upper body yeah and the technique that we use makes the lower body work much harder so you watch people run sometimes or just walk there's very little movement from the hip 
nearly always comes from the knee. And once you get a good pole walking technique, you really start to work those hips, work your buttocks, work your legs. Your core gets a workout because of the way you use the poles and yeah. your upper body. So it, it just struck me as the most sensible way of, of working out. Yeah, and I see a lot of groups actually on my travels walking around that, you know, that usually groups where they have the poles. And there's almost like a kind of, um, almost like a mechanical feel to it and it's really quite it looks quite involved and and quite hard work and like you say your arms are going and and I've always thought they really are looking like they're working out and I mean obviously it's for fitness so what kind of threshold are you working with in your groups are you predominantly fat burning in the aerobic zone or you does it depend on the level we try and do it all zone so you know I think my youngest client ever has been seven mm-hmm. and my oldest has been 93 wow um and everything in between but uh we put lots of different levels so we'll you know we've got well-being levels right it might be a gentle walk we might do a little bit of yoga a bit of tai chi a bit of mindfulness you know and gentle but then we also build up to doing 100 kilometers in two days mm. um so we've got workout walks where you actually you know do hill drills you use the poles we use benches and trees and whatever we can find out in the woods and really do a good workout. So I don't think there's any one level, it's every level. Mm. And there's just people come for different reasons. It's sometimes purely sociable and it's sometimes purely workout. I've had a couple of people that are like long distance runners who come, um, you know, their regime is they have active rest. So for them, a good, strong Nordic walk is their active rest day. Yeah, uh, you know, contrast that with people who haven't got off the couch for ten years, mm. um, and they're just getting up and starting a little journey of fitness. So it can be everything, you know. It's it's not just one band of fitness. It really is all encompassing. Mm. And that's the beauty of walking, isn't it? We talk on yeah. here a lot about that. Is you know, most people can do it. So it depends on like you say how fit you are and yeah. uh, what level you're at but you can build up fitness really really quickly with it as well so with the poles that that's adding to that as well some clients I do say one-to-one where it's rehabilitation you know so it's hip replacements it's post-cancer therapy You've got one of my instructors specializes in Parkinson's and you know it can be really rehabilitative and then you know say other people who we're really training out for events for big events and then we do the big events ourselves a couple of times a year so yeah and, and a lot of some of our walks are open you don't even have to use the poles but I think a lot of people get put off because they're just a bit embarrassed to be seen with poles mm. until they try them and then and actually it's changed a lot you know because people if I had a pound for every time somebody said to me oh where's your skis um then I'd be a rich lady and I could start working actually Uh, but now that starts to think a lot more people are seeing it as a you know viable form of fitness Mm. and especially because it's outdoors the nature you know being out you know through the bluebells through woods over fields up mountains just makes people feel good yeah absolutely and I'm gonna really need to try this because I was talking with somebody the other day I don't use poles when I go out but it really does cross my mind and every time I come across a group and they're really going for it I think I've got to get involved with this and I do events as well myself and I always think 
I don't know if I want to get involved with the poles because it's just another piece of equipment that I don't really want to carry over a long distance. But they are very light, aren't they, as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, and I can imagine it's a bit like ski equipment. You know, when I, when I started skiing a million, what feels like a million years ago, it was wooden skis and, uh, you know, everything was clumpy and heavy. And now everything's so light and made of titanium and, mm. and they'll fold up into your rucksack. And yeah, it's... Um, the technology's come on a load, really, with those kind of things. Um, I find it quite difficult to walk without them now, of course. Yeah, uh, when we got a dog a couple of years ago, we walked with her. Um, and, of course, you can take dogs, obviously, on Nordic walks. But, you know, I find it quite difficult because I don't feel I'm getting the same workout. Yeah, honest. all of a sudden your arms are taken out of the scenario and you feel yeah, like you're not, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, um, but some people just don't. So I, we do have a lot of people. It's usually the ladies that come and join me and they say, oh, can my husband come and join me? But he won't use poles. And then they come out a couple of times without poles and then realise that actually, you know, everybody else is just sort of edging in front of them with the poles. So then they come and do the course, which is, you know, it's only a 90 minute course to get the basic technique. And uh, yeah, then they come and but they'll get the poles and join us. But anyway, you'll be my guest, Kaz, anytime yeah, you want. Definitely, I need to do it. I need to do it. But um, so you mentioned what you do there. There's some other activities as well within this organisation that you work with called Walk. So that's W A L X. Um, yeah. And it looks to me like you really provide some fab outdoor activities there. And and I quote from the website from hill drills to mindful well-being strolls and everything in between, which you kind of alluded to earlier. Yeah. Um, and that really sounds like my cup of tea, all of that. So how did you get involved with them and how do they run? How do, how do you book onto these kinds? Yeah, of well, it's it's just a part of my business walks, but it's one that I think um, it really is all encompassing. So they originally they were Nordic Walking UK. So it's, you know, it's UK wide business and they just did nordic walking so it was mainly just pole walking of different levels like we've said mm. but we've sort of branched out and and changed the name because it's n we want to encourage a more community and to get even more people involved so like i've just said you don't we have open walks which means you don't need to walk with poles so the Nordic walking comes up as part of our workout walks or full body, I think they call it on the website, full body workout. Um, and that's so Nordic walking just becomes a part of that tranche. Then we've got the wellbeing walks, which is where, I mean, I just trained over lockdown to teach yoga uh, along with walks mm. um, and uh, the Tai Chi and the mindfulness and then there's also the community walks as well. So that's just people getting together to walk. It might be with or without dogs. So there's, there's sort of several levels. And basically it's being outdoors and doing something to do with fitness for the mind or the body. And what we added to that, which obviously came in over lockdown, we now do online classes as well. So over lockdown, I was doing all the sessions that were walks, I just put some form of exercise online. Mm. And they were so popular that I, I used to do Pilates in my local village hall once a week. And I've got three times as many people now coming online. Really? So it, that's something that we've learned. And so we offer about 25 hours a week of different exercises in and outdoors, mainly outdoors, but four or five online for a five or a week. And you know, we're trying to get people 
to come who might feel that, you know, sometimes gyms, personal training, they all get into 40, 50, 60 pounds. Mm. Whereas for a fiver a week, we're hoping to more of the community will join us. Yeah, and it is expensive, isn't it, some of these other things? And I think people also don't have huge amounts of time, especially now, you know, where lots of people might be going back to work and physically. Um, It's good, like you said, about having a full body workout. So it's not just, okay, this is mainly for your legs or this is mainly for your arms or, you know, you go to the gym and you have to... This is outdoors in nature, which for all of us has been amazing during this time. Do you do things like the Tai Chi? Is that part of the walking as well? Or is that a separate activity out in the woods somewhere? Um, it's usually involved in the in the wellbeing walks. And it depends what instructors, because um, not just say my, but like you go to walks anywhere else in the country. But um, uh, I'm taking my Tai Chi um, qualifications this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the yoga ones. So usually each area, if you've got an instructor, that does that is qualified so obviously we don't just do it we have to be qualified to be able to to do these things Mm. um and we'll be offering tai chi from the autumn then and the yoga ones that we already do and we just i just usually bring it in when it's bright for that group so if we're walking and it's particularly lovely day and everybody's having a chat and it's all sociable, I won't necessarily break it up. We'd like to do some yoga stretches, but mm-hmm. sometimes I'll say, right, guys, come on, yoga time. Let's do some good stretches mm. or let's do 10 minutes mindfulness. So it depends on when you're lo- where your local instructors, what training they've got, really. Yeah, that's lovely. But even before we did that, I used to find local um, specialists to come and we'd do specials. So if somebody would do art, they would go for three hours walk, take some photographs. And this lovely artist would help us convert the photographs into oil paintings or watercolours. You know, so it's really nice to um, get other skills. We've done it with cookery. We've done it with uh, aerial yoga with lovely Pauline at Chun Yoga Studio. So we just, you know, get other local um, people who've got interests and just mix it with a walk and you've got a really nice half day out. Yeah. Oh, just sounds lovely. I've got to get yeah. involved. Uh, that's it. I'm going. I did have a look on the website. That's it. I'm going to tap you up what, for us. I know what you'd love. You'd love my trips abroad. Well, <laughs> we need to talk about those. Right. We're going to definitely talk about all of this. There's so much to cover. Um, right. Okay. But what I want to do, first of all, because you mentioned, um, and obviously you're really enthusiastic about this and you've been doing an awful lot of learning and training over the years, but you spent many years in the corporate world. And I think so many instructors and coaches have done that, including myself. And it's actually quite useful to transfer those business skills to this area of work. So what were you doing before and what prompted you to change track to work in the health and fitness industry? Okay, so after university, which now seems like a lifetime ago, I went to work for Marks and Spencer and worked for 17 years in the, you know, which was a really big company then. It's not small now, but um, it was great training. I worked in stores for 10 years, up to store manager, and then worked in head office for seven, doing various projects and then became a food buyer. So it was a really good all over experience of the commercial world. I was mainly on the commercial side. Mm-hmm. which there weren't many women in those days I have to say there's only quite a few of us in store management a few more in head office but in the, not usually in the commercial side yeah and that was a great grounding and it was a great company to work for very philanthropic 
Uh, but it took a few turns in the later stages, which, well, you know, it wasn't quite as 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 good. And th- there was definitely a bit of a glass ceiling appeared for women back mm. then. I'm sure it's different now. So before anybody rings me up and says it's different now, <laughs> I'm sure it is. And it was rapid progression. You know, I went up the ladder really quick, which was great. But then after 17 years and I got married, uh, quite late in life 35 and uh, then at 40 um, got pregnant which is lovely and actually my son was born very premature three months premature so Mm. he wasn't well he's fine now let me just say 21 and fantastic but uh, we didn't know at the time and I just couldn't go back to work you know not knowing what this little thing was going to do so I stopped work for MS and became a full-time mum for two years which was brilliant. Absolutely yeah, loved good that. For you. And as, of course, as soon as we knew he was going to be fine, then I was headhunted back to Costa Coffee, which was one of the, well, you know it, obviously it's quite mm. well known now, um, one of the brands for the Whitbread Corporation. And it was an ex MS exec who talked me back to going to work. So I did how many years? Five, six years with them, which was also great, great experience. The first time, actually, I've ever used my... Um, language degree because of course they were mainly Italians and Italian was my second language oh, so, that so you speak really... Italian right yes so that was great and I loved it and then they were doing redundancies uh, voluntary redundancies on a big restructure my son was then about five six five or six and sadly at the same time my mum died almost within the same week and those two things just made me think all right, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? This is a, you know, real change of life. And my mum always said, you should always follow your passion, you know, follow mm-hmm. what you're passionate about. And I thought, well, I'm passionate about fitness. So that was it. Within a week, I, resi- you know, got my redundancy and went off and trained to be a personal trainer, which seemed a bit daft at the time. Yeah. Best but thing it- I ever did probably felt right though I mean I think sometimes these decisions just come to us don't they and all of a sudden you think but that's it that's what I'm going to do and it's not an easy road to take to start with because you need to build your business which you obviously have um but obviously business gave you that confidence yeah yeah. when I was training to be a PT I went away you know I went away and did it really intensively because I did my PT and sports massage and rehab all at all at once and it was a proper you know, we had to be there at eight o'clock in the morning. We didn't leave till six. You didn't even have bank holidays off. There's some working weekends. It was quite intense. Mm. And of course, I was probably 20, 25 years older than most of the people there. Mm. Uh, and I thought, oh God, what have I done? But I think in the end, yeah, you're right. Um, it just felt right. And what I got over them was all the business experience. Yeah. So they might have been able to run faster, longer and probably stronger but they Mm. to actually translate all that into a business was was a different matter and you mentioned when you were in business about how there weren't many women in the business that you were in do you think that's kind of um maybe translated through to how you work now i mean do you work do you find that you work mostly with women are you a real kind of champion for women getting back into fitness (laughs) yes i am i mean i've uh, one of the things that was very important to me when I start, well, started developing the business, not starting it, but developing it sort of five, six years into it, was to try and encourage 
uh, younger people, male or female, I'll be honest, mm. that also just come out of college, probably 2021, 20, whatever age um, they finish, with no business experience, going, what am I going to do? I want to be a personal trainer. What am I going to do? So over the years, I can't even think how many people have come and worked with me but just to give them that starting point mm. you know and it's so they've sort of shared my PT clients and we've worked together some for years um some still with me and some have just used me as a springboard to go off and run their own businesses and it's been great to see the young women and the older women I've had a couple of women come to me you know that I've met when I worked at Champneys and things that they also started in their 40s or 50s even. Mm. And both, you know, and they both go on to run successful businesses themselves. Um, I don't think in the fitness industry it's as bad now as it was. I think there's a real plethora now of really good women trainers. Mm. Client-wise, I've had a real mix over the years. I would think now... Yeah, it's about 70, 30 in favour of female. You know, and, and it, some blokes only want blokes, some women only want blokes to train them, and some women only want women, etc. You know, yeah. so it's, I think it's a lot better now than it was. You know, I mean, if you just look around Trim, um, when I started, there was only me, I think, and lovely Adam who runs on the limit. We were the only two personal trainers in the area, as far as I know. And now there's hundreds, you oh, know, and they're nice. all really good, you know. All, well, all the ones I know, it's there's a good camaraderie of, of spirit I find between all the fitness people in this area. Yes, there is. I've always thought that everybody's connected, and and there is no kind of you know rivalry or anything like that. I think it's because. Um, you know, health and fitness is such a kind of positive environment to be Absolutely. in, and I think that Absolutely. definitely comes yeah. through. And if you look around it? all our look around all our social media things we're nearly all support each other with mm. likes or comments you know um certainly the people who I've worked with in the past and if I if anybody's out there and I don't I'm really sorry it's because I don't you know I'm not aware that you've got a, an account um, mm. and I think it's great I love to watch all these people start all these things up it's just wonderful it just means that for the local community you've got the full range of everything geographical areas and specialities yeah it's brilliant yeah yeah definitely and like you say there's so many more things that come onto the market that are really exciting and i think and also you, you talking um about training you know i think it's such a good thing for women that we were talking about to do this training because it, it fits in around the kids and it keeps Absolutely. them fit and healthy yeah. and you know obviously equally um men are brilliant at this as well and it's nice yeah. to have a good mixture and i think like you say in our area we've got a nice mixture of both and people that are doing slightly different things as well and bring in um lots of different Maybe, you know, things like boot camp. Um, obviously, you've got your walking. But also now I'm finding more and more, especially after you talking about that, going into the woods and doing some lovely Tai Chi and things, there's more sort of mental health being woven yeah, into the fitness. Whereas back in the day, probably, it was all about thrashing out of the gym and getting really muscly and fit. And now it's a much a sort of softer approach and people are venturing more out into nature, don't you think? Definitely. I mean, I remember my keep fit regime as a young one was brutal. And, you know, the amount of high impact aerobics on concrete, you know, village hall floors. No wonder my knees are knackered. 
Um, whereas now, you know, we're a lot more considerate about our bodies. You can still push it hard and do. I mean, I teach a high intensity class uh, each week, you know, and it's tough and you're sweating and everything. But we're much more mindful of how how our body works and how it recovers. Um, so and then actually doing things outside, like you say, it's uh, these trips that I do. I, I remember one standing on. I was, uh, we were going from Porto in Portugal up to Santiago de Compostela in Spain on that, you know, the route that they do the Camino. Yeah. Um, but the Portuguese side, just standing, looking at the Atlantic Sea, and it was huge. I mean, the waves, and, and it was, it moved me to tears. And I'm, I'm, you know, quite, I can get quite easily moved by music and art and beautiful mm. nature as it is, but it was just you know, it Funny. just showed the power. Mm. Mm. So, you know, even if you dilute that down to just the bluebells or the oh, green, yeah. you know, spring green of the trees, it, it does, yeah, it's it's really good for body, mind and soul. It is definitely. So tell me about those trips then. Where do you go? What do you do there? Because I also read um, a bit about snowshoeing, which yeah. you're involved in. <laughs> I mean, it always amazes me how many different, well, it shouldn't really, but how many different ways you can walk and do stuff. So what's that all about? Where do you go? Well, so the snowshoe. So what we try and do is the two or three, four trips a year, non-COVID period, obviously, mm-hmm. where we take some form of fitness, uh, either somewhere else in the UK or abroad. Um, so snowshoeing was something I came across when, as a in, in my family, we went skiing and I decided you know what I don't know whether I want to throw myself down mountains anymore <laughs> because if I did break my leg it's yeah, my business that's you know? right. so um so I had a go I think Canada or somewhere and um I thought I'll have a go at snowshoeing and I thought blimey this is hard work you know mm. the uh, guy that I went with took us up some good old mountains it doesn't have to be hard work it can be really quite pleasant but anyway, I thought this is fantastic, but you still got the mountains, you've still got the snow, you've still got all the afraid ski enjoyment, but it's not just flinging yourself down a mountain. And also skiing can get bloody expensive. Yeah. Um, is it the walking version of skiing then, really? Is it just kind of the shoes that you wear, you go for a walk so, in the yeah, snow? Yeah, you get, so you, there's, well, you can do snowshoeing, is like a big plastic cage that you put on your ordinary walking boots and it has hooks at the front and the back. So if you're going down a hill, you're not going to slide down and up a hill, you're not going to slide backwards. And you use your poles, so it's just like pole walking, Nordic walking, but you're on the snow and your shoes just it stop your feet from slipping. Yeah. And it's a good workout. And oh, it's such a, such a good crack, as they say in um, Ireland. <laughs> and I found this third party because I do all my abroad trips with a third party because obviously I'm not a travel agent. So I just, you know, organise it all. And then they they find the accommodation. They provide the mountain guides. Right. They're apt to cover it. So, and we found this tiny little village in France that's still very French. Hardly anybody speaks English. The snow is fantastic. The mountains are fantastic. The food, you know, it's cheese from Monsieur So-and-So's farm and meat from Madame So-and-So farm up the road. It's all very local. And I've taken three trips up to now. Sadly, had one cancelled. And then we just, other than four places, fully booked for 2022. So that's one thing in the snow. And then the other thing we do is go walking in and around Europe. Um, So we've done Spain and 
Portugal and France, but it's mainly to Italy because of my connections with Italy. Yeah. And, uh, that's fun. We, we do different areas. Uh, I used to live in Florence, so we've done Tuscany quite a lot. Bologna to Florence, we did one year over the Apennines. That was amazing. Uh, Luca Siena. Um, uh, currently, each year when we've not got the pandemic, we're making our way down the east southeast coast down through Puglia. Yes. So, oh, that's um, beautiful there, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's absolutely lovely. And in fact, I'm just organizing the one for 2022. And this one we will finish down in the heel, a little place called Santa Maria de Leuca. Oh. I haven't been there since 1979, so I'm really looking forward to going back to see if well, it's changed as much as I have. <laughs> tell me about, because you lived in Italy, didn't you? So why did you live there? What did you do? Well, um, I went to uni to do, to be an artist, believe it or not, to mm-hmm. do fine art. That was it's, that's the other thing I love is art. Mm-hmm. And um, after two terms, I thought, I'm not sure this is for me, but I'd done a... Um, two other subjects which at my university had to do three subjects in the first two terms and I did history of art because I'd done history of art A level and then I did Italian and I'll be really honest I fancied a boy in the Italian department (laughs) how weird is that nice and anyway long story short I won't go into all that but long story short I ended up doing the Italian and history of art as a degree and part of that degree was to go and live in Italy for a year Right. Which was very convenient. Um, so I got a grant and went to live in Florence, which oh, was amazing. And Florence, again, I've been there. It's, it's just so lovely, isn't it? It yes, really it is a delightful yes, place to be. Lovely. So all of it, So is this where your kind of love of opera and ballet and all these other culture type yeah. things came from? Well, I think ballet from the dancing um, and opera... Yeah, I don't know why I got into opera. I love singing. I think I told you my mum was a bit of a singer. Mm. Um, so I think I've always loved the stage and I love musicals and straight plays and anything to do with theatre. Uh, and the opera I got into a little, I'd say more recently, perhaps because I'm a bit of the language, but um, it's just it was just an art form that I didn't understand. And I started to do a bit of research into it and going to watch it and loved it. It's a bit like Shakespeare. It always sounds weird when you start, but if you actually go into it a bit, and I admire these people who can use their bodies and their voices and do, you know, what they can with them, just like an instrument. It's just fantastic. And it's very physical. That's almost like a workout in itself, isn't it? Ah, You look at some of the female, uh, you know, the soprano, well, any soprano or mezzo-soprano, you look at their necks. Mm, Muscles. Muscle tone. Mm there is because they use it just like we would to develop our biceps or our glutes or anything like that you know they really have to practice and make it work for them so it's fantastic and yeah I love it that's my little um, escapism I was gonna say is that how you kind of relax and restore your sort of mental well-being as well yeah anything you know like theatre based especially opera and ballet um, I'm afraid food is my other great Ooh, love. Yes, <laughs> yes. I only do this job really so I can eat. No, that's not. <laughs> my, um, my hubby's a fantastic cook um, and we, we love food. Um, so food and good, uh, you know, not just going out, but cooking at home, whatever, really good food, the odd drop of good wine just the odd drop um, the odd drop yeah um so anything like that that helps me relax 
weekends, mm. anything sociable. It'd be nice to go and see our friends as we can now, can't we yes. again? Can we get out there yet? <laughs> oh, it's so nice. You don't realise, do you, how nice that is when no. something happens? No, it's going to be lovely. So, yeah, that, that, is sort of, that helps me relax. Um, I, I'm not a very good reader, but I'm a, I do a lot of audio books. Oh, me too. That helps me well, they're good when you're walking as well, aren't they? Oh, fantastic. I love them. Podcasts, you know, where you can get your news or your literature and or your escapism all through audio is brilliant. And then also things like um, we've said, you know, the piano is a good way to relax. Uh, and I've got an interest in languages, so I try and keep up with other languages too. Yeah, and that just helps. I'm not very good at relax, relaxing. I can't lay on a beach, for example. Mm. Oh. Perhaps I'll get more into that as I get older, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I suppose because I kind of, I know what you mean about all this. I think if you're into fitness and you're quite an active person naturally, then the relaxation for for you and, and for me as well is um, more sort of creative stuff where you maybe listen or play or that kind of thing, yeah. which is still yeah. a sort of an activity, isn't it? I mean, I do manage to rest, like you say, when, as you get a bit older, you want to rest a bit more, but most of it is, you feel that um, you get that real cathartic feeling from doing other things. I think if you're into fitness and that's how you've always been. Um, but what do you think your personal challenges are for staying fit and healthy? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you like your food and like your wine and, and um, <laughs> you know, obviously there's the sort of propensity to put on a bit more weight as you get older. So what, how, what are your challenges yourself? What's your regime to kind of keep yourself fit and healthy? Well, I think you're absolutely right. You know, the aging process, and you can't stop it. You might be able to hold it back a wee bit, but you can't stop it. So, um, you know, you have a propensity, most women especially have a propensity as they go through menopause to, because of the way that the hormones um, change, yeah. uh, then, you know, so I, I know for my 60th, I said, I've just got to keep my waist smaller than my hips, you know, yeah. so just little challenges like that. Mm. Um, and then I try and keep up with the physical challenges of, um, I try and do this, this 100K every year. We try and do 100K over a weekend. Um, and obviously you have to train to do do that. Mm. You also have to have a week off afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I think it's just keeping that up and well, that wherever I'm working that's relatively easy because I have to get up and I have to do it yeah. I think the big challenge will come if the word retirement ever comes into my Ooh. vocabulary don't mention it don't mention uh, it <laughs> don't mention the war um but you know and, and hopefully I'll stay injury free although I've just got a, a niggly knee um you know you've got to just keep on top of it uh, and food wise I think whenever I'm doing the amount of exercise I'm doing then more or less can eat and drink what I want but yeah. of course if if the exercise starts to diminish because of anything physical that may happen as I get older then obviously the rest of it has to be adjusted accordingly it's the balance isn't it as well and I'm really glad you mentioned the menopause because I try and mention it if I can sort of shoehorn it in every now and again because I think it's really important to keep highlighting it that it actually exists everyone and to also normalize it and to reassure people that although it can be quite debilitating, can't it? And a challenge. And there's a lot of that can be done through looking after yourself through health and fitness. And and actually, the more people I talk to about it quite openly, the more people I'm finding are really suffering in silence or just don't know about the resources out there or what things can do for them. Um, 
and it, yeah and it and it really because the body really does change the body and mind really changes during yeah, that time it really I, does, yeah. I mean you know even if you manage to book yourself onto um a class you might forget you've done it <laughs> yeah exactly well they don't, they, i mean davina mccall um she, you know she's done a lot to highlight it in, in oh yes uh, in the media but locally there's lots of people who support um you know you know becky aston the um special women's physio yeah. and she does a lot of things with her colleagues um and there's so much about it yeah that we just need to talk a bit more you know I was really lucky I, I lost my t had my ovaries taken out when I was 19 other than a very tiny little bit so I, I think my physical menopause was right um, easier because I think my estrogen progesterone balance had already changed in my early 20s but for other people um, you know, that change is massive. And uh, I don't know if people understand much about how cortisol can affect mm. you, um, you know, which is the stress hormone that just makes the body store fat around the middle. So And sugar is really sugar, bad during this time absolutely. as well. You know? and, and all these things, yeah, just a little bit of knowledge to be able to, con to control it, all, but also to normalise it. This is what the body is designed mm. to do. So it's how we best manage that rather than, and I hate all these people are fatty diets or you can lose weight by freezing this mm. or eating half a lettuce leaf, you know, once a fortnight. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. They just don't work. They, do they? just don't work. And, but they're preying on women's insecurities. And I think that's mm. really not good. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And I think people do get a bit desperate because um, it isn't rocket science what you need to do to kind of keep yourself like that. But it's the balance. And, and when that desperation comes, it, it really does. People will do anything, yeah. won't they? I'm sure I'd do the same with my wrinkles, you know, if, if I was on a low end. <laughs> And somebody offered me Botox, I would might be tempted, but I don't know whether for free. But I don't know whether you know. But if I thought about it long enough, I wouldn't, of course. But you know, I yeah. of I understand. But it's 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 a wee bit of just educating yourself how to do it. Um, but then also, I think we should accept a bit more that what is wrong with being having a wrinkle. You know, what is wrong with probably oh. being two, three four pounds bigger than you were when you were 19 absolutely do you know what I mean? and I so I do think there's a, I'm, I'm watching a fabulous series have you seen it called shrill um, oh no no do try it bbc yeah anyway and that's all about you know woman who's going for the the positive bigger woman now you know I've got to really balance it out with what is really healthy for you mm -hmm. um but we shouldn't be having all this pressure to just be stick thin or to just look like this or to have these pumped up lips and these false boobs and false bums and everything. Yeah, because it is so fake as well. And I think people really recognise that. I mean, I was listening the other day about how this made me laugh, um, how the new makeup trend is um, bags under your eyes or something. <laughs> I was thinking. Oh, I, yeah, I, think, know I read that too. I think we're going I mean, the other way. <laughs> but it is really lovely, isn't it, to be natural as you can and obviously you know everybody wants to put a little bit of lippy on or everybody wants to you know have nice smooth skin and then there's lots of things you can do but I think it comes from the inside out it's not necessarily what you slap yeah, on and, and try and be well it's it? always made me laugh that people go and have buttock implants I mean oh yes 
for most of my teenage years, I was going, why have I got such a big bum? You know, oh, and- <laughs> gosh. I know. Do you know, it's amazing. What we, I mean, because I, I only did that for a few months. It wasn't me at all. But I got this job out of university selling silicon implants. And the very first thing that we learned was about how um, women in particular wanted to get buttock implants. And, oh, well, it was just quite funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If people, let me just, I'll do a bit of an advert here. If people want to increase their bum size, come to me. Go mm. Nordic walking or personal training, and believe me, muscle is better yes. than silicone. <laughs> yeah, and one hundred percent. I mean, walking. I've really realised. I did um a little presentation thing on this um YouTube thing that I do. Yeah. Um, I was talking about that in the walking because obviously I was predominantly spinning before and boxing, and then walking yeah. actually put weight on. Because yeah. your legs and your backside just get so much firmer with muscle, Absolutely. and it, you know, and and it isn't about the weight and this and that, and it's about the shape. And like you say, when you go walking, it, it's an incredible um, body sculptor, isn't it? Very, very much so. I mean, you can get rid of the fat and build the muscle. So yeah, the scales might not say a lot, a lot different, but certainly the shape and health-wise, you're you're much improved. I mean, a lot of these. Um, tables that you know what's your ideal weight and I think I I come up as obese on Mm-mm. them which makes me laugh because I, I don't think I am at all but it's just because of the weight and if you've got muscle it weighs heavier than fat so you're, you're, there's less of you you know but, yeah yeah it's the BMI thing isn't it for me like I'm doing um nutrition consultations this comes up time and time again you know you do the dreaded put your finger across the line and you get to the point where it is and 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 often it will come up because they don't necessarily take into account body frames and and lots of other things and it is quite frustrating because that's what people work off and actually that's what gps work off as well so there's a multitude of things to look at and to accept about yourself as well isn't there muscle how much lean mass have you got and Mm -hmm. and what's your fat percentage and that really is a much better view than just your pure weight or your bmi which has nothing to do with how healthy or what quality of the weight is you know i agree totally you're right what what would you do then so let's say somebody's just kind of you know prized themselves off their lockdown couch and they've come out of it (laughs) a good stone heavier which i'm sure has happened to many many people what somebody comes to you and says you know um I really need to do something. I really need to get fit. I, I'm desperate. I have tried lots of other things. I've done YouTube. I've done this. How would you start with somebody like that? Certainly talk to them first, like um, we've just said, and, and listen, actually not talk to them, but listen to them. And what I try and do is say, find what what hooks can I hook on to what they're saying, really. So then not really impose anything that I've got on them but what are they saying so if they say I used to really enjoy spinning for example mm-hmm. or I've always enjoyed walking you find so to find out what's going to turn them on because it's no use you saying well why don't you come boxing with me if they hate boxing mm. but if they mention that they love spinning then you know you you try and find a regime I might try and always push them to something outdoors because I think if they're in that place where they're a bit down yeah then you know getting outside and I would start by um doing some base measurement work but exactly like you and I have just said not necessarily on the weight not necessarily on BMI at all if they want to know what it is I'll work it out for them but other than that we'll say well let's just have a look at what your muscle percentage is 
and because mm. you know we can, we've all got these scales now mm-hmm. that you just stand on they've got bio impedance so you can hold on to the handles and it gives you that kind of reading or again listening to the person if that's going to be something that will frighten them or upset them because it might be higher than they want then you say have you got a pair of trousers you used to love to get into mm. you know and use it more on that and I say well I'll tell you what let's try and get into that pair of trousers so I think for the personal training side you really have to listen to what that person wants and for me sometimes it's been well look the best person for you to go to so let's say the spinning, I would have said to come to, to you or to have gone to the gym because I don't do individual spinning yeah. lessons. But if I know that's what would turn them on and make them stick to it, mm-hmm. then that's what you push yeah. them towards. It's all about just liking something, you know, liking what you love and, and not pushing yourself to do something you hate. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's why, you know, with, with running, even though I don't run anymore, and I, you know, I, I think running, unless it's done properly, can be quite damaging on, on knees and things like that. Definitely. If that is the thing that turns the person on, you know, that's really what gets them going. Just make sure they're doing it right or send them to Tring Running Club or somewhere that got good training schemes mm. um, or a personal trainer that specializes in running. And then let them do it because they're more likely to stick to that than mm. saying, oh, God, I've got to go running. I hate running. You know, then mm. they're, they're not going to stick to it. There's a lot around community now, I think, more and more, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, like being in a group and talking yeah, and, and doing it together. So I think um, it's finding your tribe almost, isn't it? I know that word's used a lot these days, but it, it really is. But from your point of view and, and you know, from my point of view as well, um, I think it's, as you work your way through doing all of these different types of fitness um, trainings, you become very aware of the human body and what it can do and what it can't do and how to look after it. And that's, and obviously you as well are a sports massage therapist. So you must see a lot of injuries and you know when people do something that incorrectly, what it can cause and also you're, you're therapizing people back to better health. So how did you get into that? And, and, and how do you use that now within your business? So the sports massage and rehabilitation therapy was part of the course I did when I trained to be a personal trainer. It was like an, you know, um, an optional extra six weeks. Um, and as I'd not really anything to go for and I didn't really know what I was doing, I did it and found that possibly quite the most fascinating thing ever yeah, um, to see. Even We went into much more depth how the body worked than just the muscles and the functions of, of the body in the personal training uh, work yeah so yes I get um I've got again I've got I think I think my oldest client is nearly 87 88 then I get um some lovely young um people that have been in the gym and they're just working out really hard and their muscles just need to be released you know mm-hmm. released um injury is a is a tough one um I've got a young chap who had a very bad mountaineering accident and I'm helping get him back rehab because it's not just the physical massage but also then we do rehab programs because the NHS is the most brilliant thing in the world but at the moment people aren't getting the appointments for rehabilitation when it's not drastically serious and and a lot of even when they do get the support they might end at just getting you back to walking well really you need to walk and then become really functional and then um put some loading on it and get some strength in it and taking it past the point of just going from 
for example, not being able to walk, to be able to shuffle to the end of the drive, mm. people want to go beyond that. So that's what I can offer there. Um, now, the only difference is now I do it at home rather than I, I don't have a studio anymore. That's what lockdown did for me. Mm. Um, you know, but it's fine because I just set my studio up here and I do all my online classes and my massage and therapy here. It saves me the rent, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, and you never know, it might all come back in an absolute droves because I think people have really realised what exercise can do for them during this time Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And I do think, and I go try and get myself a massage, and it's deep tissue massage, this. It's not whale music and a little bit of jojoba oil, you know. It's, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, if you want that, I've got some lovely friends and colleagues who do wonderful, more relaxing ones, but mine are definitely more functional um you know to get the body moving and uh, and supple again yeah yeah absolutely and, and walking is is such a you know it, it can be a real base level thing but it can really ramp up into whatever you want it to be can't absolutely. it so that's really nice yeah, yeah, yeah. right so the stepping out question then karen if you could walk with anyone you like here or past famous or not who would that be where would you walk and what do you think you'd talk about well, I think the person I'd love to walk with, nothing to do with fitness, but um, I've always admired Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum sang in her style. So Ella oh. Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, Cleo Lane, that kind of yeah. era. And um, so I was brought up on that music from being a very little girl and uh, sort of have her whole repertoire in my head. You know, I can yeah. sing all her songs. And I just think... Um, she had a fascinating, if not sad, life. And it was just contrasting, A, that she was a black woman in America in a time where racial equality was even worse than it, than it is now. Um, yeah. And she's got all this talent and all this wonderful voice, and she still had to go in the back door of concert halls and still wasn't allowed to do certain things. Oh, it's incredible, um, isn't it? And just that, I mean, I would, I would, I'd like to just sing and listen to, you know, sit and listen to her sing but then also just talked to her and how on earth did she manage with all that? You know, mm. how did she live her life? Which, it was very different times and there are some great documentaries. But I, to have that ease of voice, you know, I don't think she was ever trained, if I remember rightly. She's got but it, just the, she? Yeah, she just, I don't know if you remember, I think it was a millennium they did the best singer in the last millennium. So going back to the turn of, you know, 2000. Yeah. I think Frank Sinatra won, which mm, I can almost see it. Um, but she, and I think she came third after Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I could easily go listen to Nat King Cole all day as well. Uh, but I don't know. I just find her fascinating. And if I'm to be honest, she reminds me of my mum, even though my mum was white. But, you know, the voice, uh, the body, she was, my mum was a bigger lady and Ella Fitzgerald was big and just that sort of, I'd love to just hug them both and listen to them both sing a duet together. Oh, so she's just got such a real comforting voice. For me, Christmas isn't complete without Ella Fitzgerald. No. Oh, without Ella. So expressive no, no, no. and also plays with the piano as well. So that's another thing that you must like as well. Brings the whole music thing back into... Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't, it just brings it all back into line. In fact, from my mum's funeral, we had Ella, Ella's music and it was, it made a sad occasion really quite lovely. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. And she is an interesting character because I think actually they found an interview from her when she was 17, not too long ago about her talking about racism. Yeah. And it really did 
appear in her life at every turn. I mean, I think she also had um, her manager at some point. I can't remember his name now. Norm, somebody or other. He was a real civil rights activist, I think. And he made sure that there was real equality for musicians that he managed. And I think that really helped her. But also Marilyn Monroe was a big fan. And I think she pulled a few strings for her to be heard in all different places, didn't she? So she had a few bits of help. Yes, I think she did with with Marilyn. I mean, you know, I think Marilyn had a sad life as well, didn't she, for very different reasons. Um, But it was just a fascinating era of, um, you know, uh, glamour and, and talent of its time yeah she was lovely lady lovely mm. lady she was and really really down to earth and actually funny enough summertime i don't know why this is really oh, i just don't, have no idea why but whenever i've had a glass of wine i always sing that oh do you love it well, I tell you, this, <laughs> yeah my kids get really embarrassed by me. <laughs> well, the, the famous band the two casas you know that can be our theme that's our theme that's our signature too yeah because she and also she collaborated quite a bit with people like louis armstrong didn't she and again that another favorite song of mine is isn't this a lovely day i don't know if you've heard that one with louis armstrong yeah yeah and and i know you've heard of oscar peterson yes Um, yeah yeah the jazz pianist in fact um yeah i went to see him years ago with my mom um and oh just the the musicality in in him and ella um Mm. it's just fantastic fantastic i think she actually the band used to tune in to her uh, not yeah, the other way around yeah, yeah. i think I yeah, yeah, yeah you're right yeah and it, right. she was so i think she was she had perfect pitch as well she, like you say she, yeah. i don't think she had any training and i think she's but it's amazing how she even got to that point because she was an orphan um and then i think she was homeless for a bit as well so yeah, yeah. quite an incredible what a good one like that yeah. one a lot mm. and i think we'd probably walk i don't think ella did ever walk over the Yorkshire Dales um I'd take her to the Yorkshire Dales or I'd take her to the Apennines Ooh, in good. Italy and then I've got all, all my loves at once and we'd probably go to an opera in the evening that's my day complete oh yeah and some nice food <laughs> you'd be in your element oh, yeah. oh that's fantastic well okay everyone details about Karen's classes are in the episode description and as well as the link to um I'll put that link to isn't this a lovely day as well why not and all the other things right. that that you do but Karen, yeah. for now, it's been a lovely day already. Thank you for talking to me. I've really enjoyed it, actually, our time together. And we're going to have to do that band, aren't we? So thank you very much for joining me. We'll do the band. And come walk it. Arrivederci. Eh? What a lovely smorgasbord of things to talk about there with Karen. And Karen, I really appreciate your time today. So thank you. Remember that all of the links we talked about are in the episode description, so please do have a look at what there is on offer. Thank you all for listening, and please don't hesitate one bit to share this episode to a friend or family member so they can hear these stories too. Also, like and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. It is, as always, much appreciated. Okay, I'm off for a walk myself now, and I think I might take a trip to the reservoir to see some wildlife. So you have a good day or evening and I look forward to having you along next time. Mm